Welcome to the Man Up, Man Down podcast, presented by Volker Baluda and David Pawsey. We discuss the pressures and challenges faced by men approaching middle age that we're often too embarrassed to speak about with our friends. You can find us online at www.manupdown.com. Enjoy the show and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. So, dear listeners, another Friday afternoon for us, and probably another Thursday. We, we kind of got into the habit of, of publishing our podcasts on a, on a Thursday. So th- thanks, first of all, for all the feedback. Uh, I haven't told David yet. A good friend of mine, actually, he, he reached out and he said, uh, love your new podcast, really relevant, really enjoy it. So it's good to hear that it resonates with people. So we had, if I say last week, we had um, Matthew Knight on the um, on the podcast talking about freelancers, mental health, mental health yeah, for middle-aged men, which becomes more and more of a topic, quite frankly for me personally, but I think in, in, in general in our age group. I mean, the, the amount of articles I see recently are, yeah, a bit, bit scary. And I don't think, I think the hype is over of that we have to talk about mental health. It's more about we actually need to talk more about mental health. So it's it's not something we talk about because it's it's fashionable. Um, on that note, actually, I um, and I can put that link in the show note, I, I looked at the latest Deloitte mental health report from 2022, which is quite scary in terms of, I think it costs the British economy over £116 billion each year to combat stress. And that has gone up significantly from, from two years ago. Anyway, so today we want to, following on from Matthew Knight's um, podcast and our discussion about work, we want to talk about the future of work and how, you know, how that affects us, if I say our, us as middle-aged men, but also us freelancers. I mean, David and I are both freelancers. Yeah, that's going to be the topic for today. David, what, what do you think? You've done research again, haven't you? Well, I mean, but yeah, before, before I get onto that, what, so what remind me of that stat from the Deloitte report again about the cost? Uh, I, I need to dig it up now. To, I'm probably <laughs> going to misquote it, but I think to stress in the workplace and the impact of stress on on um, on revenue, etc., cost the British economy about hundred eighteen uh, billion pounds. So let me... I mean, yeah, I mean. <sighs> the thing that that this is well you know one of my favorite rants which oh. i've obviously gone on about but it's i mean the lack of funding for mental health support is just ridiculous you know and and considering you know the government keeps making noises about oh there's going to be further investment and it's like well you know through austerity that funding has been massively cut so You've got a long way to go to kind of get it to what it was before. But yeah, you know, and, and obviously that's one of the things that we sort of mentioned, well, Matthew talked about and, and we picked up on is, I don't know, it is sad that it's almost, you, you've got to put a monetary value on it for for organisations to take notice. But um, actually, let me, let me, let me jump in here. 118 billion per year estimated cost to British business due to mental health problems. And, and that is actually the London School of Economics, whilst the uh, Deloitte, so, so I've done my research, right? Um, <laughs> whilst the, Deloitte actually says, and that's, that's I find that really interesting. Um, so they have looked at absence cost, pre- presenteeism cost, and turnover cost. 
I, we we, sh- we share the report in the um, show notes, but the turnover cost have gone up to twenty two point four billion, which is, if I say crazy, right? And it used to be eight point six billion in two thousand nineteen. So it has gone up massively, and that's a bit. I find that scary, right? So we we we're not happy at the workplace. We you know for for one reason or another, we we're affected with mental health. We're stressed. Are we all doomed? Are we all fucked? Quite frankly, <laughs> that's a very cheerful way to uh, to start off the podcast. But you know, the, the thing is, this was kind of precisely why we started the podcast. Was and it, you know, it is difficult to sort of remember exactly how life was during lockdown, but. I mean, you know, it was almost like so many conversations I'd have with people like after the pandemic where, you know, we came out of lockdown, there were maybe some restrictions in place, but just this general, I don't know, feeling of exhaustion. And I mean, I'll, I'll sort of hold my, my hands up and say, I mean, I've, I've started listening to some of the uh, the early, well, you know, as we've been publishing them, I've been listening to the podcasts and uh which, you know, I, I obviously mentioned on a, a previous sort of episode that that's sort of quite a difficult thing for me to do. But yeah, yeah, I have listened. And well, as Volk has mentioned, we have been getting a lot of kind feedback. So, so thanks everyone for that. What would be great is if you actually leave us a, a five-star review in uh, iTunes. But anyway, yeah, just sort of a, a feeling. Well, so sorry, I've I've you know, only very recently say that I've kind of felt brighter and, you know, recording some of those early podcasts and, you know, there were some where we'd sort of be, well, I'd say to Volker, actually, sorry, I can't record today. And part of that was I was, you know, just in a bad place, which, you know, I should have probably admitted to Volker, you know, especially as as we're recording a podcast about being open and honest about your mental health. I think, I think, you know, what we've all got to remember is that, um, you know, we went through sort of the biggest social and economic upheaval since the Second World War, which obviously none of us were around for. For our generation, this is, you know, this is like, the, the well, those two years, you know, the toughest thing that that we've gone through and the, the generation before us went through. But yeah, I mean, we're sort of getting slightly off topic, you know, for both of us we've sort of talked about how yeah you know with with freelancing you know there are lots of benefits there are lots of drawbacks I mean I think sort of particularly during the pandemic you know I yeah I didn't qualify for for any sort of support and furlough because of the way that my business is structured yeah you know it was a scary time but I think you know the thing is it's you know, is there any more security in a full-time position than there is as a freelancer? I mean, sort of for me, and sorry, I'm going on a bit. I'll let you come in back in in a minute, Volker. But um, sort of, you know, I was made redundant twice, I think, before I was 24 or 27. First time it happened, I'd been there a few years. It was a telesales job that I hated. And I got got a nice sort of redundancy settlement. So I was able to pay off like some debts that I built up from uni, clear my overdraft, etc. And And yeah, it was, you know, that was like the impetus, I guess, that I needed to start pursuing a career in writing and creativity, which wasn't 
immediately successful. Um, but then, you know, the second job I got made redundant for from, I was working uh, for IPC Media, which published TV Times. And that was like, you know, one of the, I wasn't doing particularly sort of thought provoking job, but as as you know, Volker, and as the listeners might be learning to know, I you know, I love I love TV, I love film. So, you know, every day spending my day working in, you know, on on something that I love. But then I think they got brought out by Warner Brothers and, you know, it's the shareholders are like, right, we want some more money. So I think they basically cut a team of about fifty five down to eleven. And yeah, as I say, that was sort of felt like my sort of break into publishing. I mean, that was sort of one of the yeah toughest things I've been through. And I remember with that job, I got a really bad eye infection, which I didn't, you know, when I first got it, I didn't take time off for. But I just remember sort of being like, you know, you've got to get into work and you've got to sort of do that little bit more than the other person to, to get ahead in your career. And then suddenly it's like, oh, right, well, you know, you know that you kind of made yourself really ill. Thanks for your service. Goodbye. And I guess that was when yeah. I realised that no job is is secure. You know, it doesn't matter if you're on, if you're a freelancer, you know, it's, in my opinion, there there isn't a great deal of, great deal more of stability. And, you know, we're seeing it particularly in the tech industry at the moment that, you know, there are sort of huge waves of redundancy. Yeah, you, you 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 did ramble on a bit. Um, there's there's lot there's there's lot, but you know there's it's all valid, right? And I think that's important. You know, I know we we like our rants and we like to ramble on, but I think it's all relevant what you're saying. So, oh, let me pick up on on a few things there. I mean, the last stat is 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 a crazy bit, right? Because at at time of recording, Facebook just announced eleven thousand redundancies, right? Which sounds crazy. They're still bigger now, I think, than they were 12 or 24 months ago. What I'm saying is they, they, they're stagnating. They're not growing. And I believe Spotify has made people redundant. So has Zendesk. So has, you know, lots of different tech companies. So it's not only Facebook, but of course, people jump on, on Facebook or, or meet Meta, as they're called now. And, you know, we know what happened with Twitter, right? And, you know, psychological safety. I don't think there's psychological safety at Twitter, whether you have a job or not now. I think for me, psychological safety, and, and as, as you know, and I've, I, I talked about that before when we first launched the podcast, I took redundancy more than twice, and it's not a competition. And it, it was it, it was so common in my industry to work for a year or two, you got acquired, you stayed another year, you went on to the next job. And I know people that they got to a breaking point with that and remortgaged their home and decided to start a different career. Some people couldn't. And David and I have recently talked about the concept of a golden cage, right? I mean, the the industry pays very well, the tech industry. So once you get used to a certain salary, you're a bit, you know, catch 22, right? You, you, you might want to leave the industry, but you also have to have a certain income. Funny enough, I spoke very timely with a friend of mine this morning who works for a big company. And he said, Volker, if I look at your CV, you, you're not a big corporate guy anyway right you're a startup guy you you, you're doing things you you're growing things and i i discovered that over the last few years and 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 i enjoy that i enjoy going into companies growing with them helping them mentoring founders you know these kind of 
you know, jobs, building strategies for early stage startups, for scale-ups. And I, I don't think by going into PayYE in a startup, I don't think I have more job security than going in as a contractor. And if I go in as a contractor, I always feel like I can, I can help more people at the same time. I can have two or three companies I can help with rather than just focusing on one. And it almost gives me more security because I don't put all my eggs, all my time in one basket. But what makes me worry, and that's where we're coming back to midlife, is what are we going to do in in five or ten years' time? Will our skill set we have now still be in demand in five or six or ten years' time? When we get to 55, when we get to 60, would we have to retire early? Can we retire early? Right? Will we have the financial means to retire early? And these are the questions that keep me up at night a lot, quite frankly. And I'm also, as as a matter of fact, actually, at, at a time of recording, kind of thinking, would it make sense for me at 45 to go back into a company, to go back into PayYE, go back into a golden cage, for not for benefits, not for security, but for ticking a couple more boxes to then come back stronger as a consultant? And these are the things... If I say I discuss with, you know, my coaches on outplacement coaching or I discuss these things with, um, you know, with, with friends when, when, when I discuss careers, right? If I say younger friends that, that have the same thoughts, right? Should I go self-employed or will that look better on my CV? But I think we, we, we sometime in life, we have just have to decide to go for it and maybe stop worrying what the future holds and trust that the future will be okay. Now, now talking about all this, the, the reason, and David, correct me, please. The reason I wanted to record this podcast actually was to to look a little bit at the future of work because it's not only our story. It's not only about freelance, not freelance, you know, PayYE, not PayYE. It's it's more or, or security in jobs. It's more how have things changed? And, and I think Matthew said that last 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 week. Is it actually still feasible to have a full time job? You talked about COVID. COVID has been the biggest shakeup, right? We, we all had to work from home every now and then because we had a, I don't know, the, the Skyman came to install your broadband or BT man or whoever, right? I mean, we take sponsors from either one of them. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, and you had to ask your boss and go like, is it okay that I can work a day from home? And they go like, yeah, it's an exception, but you can do it. Nowadays, I don't want to ask anyone anymore. You know, if I get up in the morning, as you say, and I don't feel well, or it's pissing it down with rain, or the kids are not great, or the dog, you know, or whatever. I just want to say, you know what? I work from home. And I don't want anyone to question it. I don't want anyone to say, oh, Volker, but if you work from home, you're not as productive. No, fucking hell, I'm probably going to work 10 hours longer. I know, maybe not 10 hours. I'm working 10 hours probably, so I'm working two hours longer. I'm more productive, and I'm happier. And I think that's exactly the problem we have. We're working longer which means we're tiring ourselves out more because the way we work, right, on the screen, right, is, is, is more tiring than, than in real life. Yes, we don't have to commute. And then we're working longer, right? I, I mean, I'm at my desk most days between six and seven. I get an hour's work in before I get the kids ready. It's fucking mental, isn't it? Sorry, I stopped now. <laughs> I mean, it's. Oh, I'm worried that we're going to go off on a tangent, or I'm going to go off on a tangent. But it's um, all right. 
I mean, you, you again, there's some like a few things that you touched on there, and one of them is sort of about well, exhaustion and burnout. One of the things that um, well, it sort of came up when I was doing research for the uh, the sleep episode that we did a few weeks ago. Sort of one of the experts was saying that for a start, I think the one of the biggest changes for our society in sort of recent years, prior to the pandemic, is is a change in sort of Sunday opening hours, and yeah. you know just sort of talking about how you know traditionally you know and and when I was a kid, you know Sunday was just a really boring day, and you know there wasn't any football on. You know, it's sort of a lot of the things that we take for granted now, um, like supermarkets being open, you know, they weren't. So it was almost like you had this enforced rest day. And, you know, and sort of if we go back even further than that, I mean, I saw a meme the other day and it was talking about how um, peasants used to get X amount of days off. But, I mean, I think that, you know, the fact is, if you lived in a, you know, a little hut, and, you know, your job is toiling the land, obviously you're going to do more work in the summer. And, you know, when the weather's crap and the light isn't great, you know, you can't do as much work. So it's almost like all these natural rest periods that we had have been slowly eroded away. But, yeah, I mean, coming back to the whole sort of self-employment and um, being a permanent employee, I mean, well, sort of something you touched on. Well, apparently... um, sort of the average self-employment rate is 14% of like the UK working population, or it might even be global. But between the age of 50 and 64, that goes up to 18%. I mean, and, and sort of apparently there's been like two decades of growth of, of self-employment, which peaked at 5 million in 2019. Uh, COVID drew, um, sort of drove this back down, which... I mean, as I say, because of the way that, you know, I'm sort of structured, I didn't get any, uh, any like um, support during lockdown or, you know, I didn't get any furlough. Um, well, basically, I, I changed my, the structure of my company at completely the wrong time. I think you mentioned that last week as well, in, in terms of, you know, the Sunday rest day. And yeah, we had it in Germany as well. I mean, Germany, very religious country, actually, if you believe it or not, or based on religion. And yeah, Sunday was, you know, you, you if I say traditionally you went to church, you know, you might went out, go out for lunch, you meet meet your family, right? Your grandparents, these kind of things. And, you know, there, there were no open shops. And yes, it has changed. And, and oh, we, we, we're now getting in a completely different direction, at least in my head, when, when I talk about we, we open up shops to, to increase revenue, right? To increase GDP, to, to create jobs for people to work. When I lived in the States 25 years ago, I loved going shopping on a Sunday. So when, when I moved to the UK, I, I naturally enjoyed that. But I agree, you, you don't have these, these rest periods anymore. Just the opposite. I mean, I, I find myself working at the weekend, an hour or two, you know, maybe three or four, especially as the kids get older. And again, it's not healthy. And the, and the, the, the challenge I have, I, I absolutely love working. So I'm, I'm not doing that to, to show off. And I, I sh- should actually say, I found it quite interesting. And again, very timely. This morning, I, I checked my emails just after six and I got two or three emails coming in from clients as well. And I'm like, so I'm not the only one doing it because people get up, you know, they might might not have family or if they have family, family's still asleep. They get up 
and they go to work. And work is not two hours away. Work is instantly there. Maybe we're rewinding 10, 15 years and we look at the first Blackberries, right? Mm. You know, oh, I was so proud to get a Blackberry. I could finally reply on the go, right? I was a cool kid. Was I? Yeah, to the standards then. I mean, everyone has a smartphone. Now. Everyone can have their Slack and their emails and their Facebook and their Instagram at a touch of a button in their, in their, in their pocket. But we shouldn't. We shouldn't. I mean, that's a completely different episode around productivity. We shouldn't have notifications on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and I actually start stopped using Slack for work on my phone. So I told my my current contractor, I'm like, you know what? Pay me on Slack. Send me an email, whatever. If it's urgent, send me a WhatsApp. Give me a call. I'm not going to have Slack on it because you you get into the habit of checking Slack all the time, and I almost find it worse than email. If you know, particularly with you know with a lot of if I say younger companies, I realize. Most of the conversations are happening on Slack. They're not happening on email. Maybe it's me, but, you know, I start missing messages. They get left, right, and center. You start reading it. You get distracted, whatever. It's it, can't, it cannot be healthy to go on at that pace. Now, having said that, David, question for you. Is that just me being hypercritical? Is it me with my mental health head on saying, you know, we shouldn't do that? Or am I just getting fucking old and can't cope with a new way of working anymore? I mean, well, you, you've probably yes to all of that. <laughs> ah, thank you. It, I mean, it, it's um, <laughs> so I've I've started working with a new client. I don't know if this is going to sound derogatory or not, but like <laughs> one of the guys that I'm working with is, is probably sort of you know one of the y- youngest people that I've worked with, and you know it is interesting that it, it's very much instant messaging, as as you say. Sort of, I've learned that there's no point in sending him emails. It's all got to be on instant messaging but at the same time you know there's no response outside of nine and five I I get overwhelmed with you know sort of mass messaging and especially if you know you've got three or four clients that are all on slack and you know you've pretty much got like the, the internal discussions going on and I mean I have to say that is sort of one of the reasons why I like being a freelancer because, you know, it, it almost does give you the power to say no to some of those things like that. But yeah, again, I'm like, well, actually, am I am I being good and setting up my boundaries? Or am I being, you know, yeah, this old Luddite who's like, no, I don't want to go on your Slack channel. Um, you know, I work best by email. I mean, I think that was sort of, again, one of the, well, almost, and I don't know whether this is sort of my own neurosis, but I was, you know, I sort of got to a point. It's like, well, I've got to be a freelancer because I've I've spent so long out of the side of a traditional office or, you know, working for an organisation that all, all the systems and processes might have changed. And, you know, the thing is, it's like, well, actually working with different clients, as you say, you can see, well, some companies do it like this. Some companies do it like this. I, I guess the long and short of it is I don't feel quite as ancient as I thought I might. But... um yeah, you know, that that is sort of another aspect of the whole sort of freelance slash permanent employee is on one hand, you want to be part of the team, but, you know, it's, yeah, they are one of your clients as opposed to, you know, your only client. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's, the, the, the thing is, 
I don't mind Slack. You know, I can, I can deal with it. If I say all, all, all joking apart, right, it is, it is a new way of working. You know, I, I remember my first Slack group was fantastic. You know, I really loved it. There's so much you can do with it. But it can also be, as you say, very overwhelming. And, you know, I, I find it sometimes, like when, when you don't work on the project and you see all these numbers popping up and, and you're in, I don't know, I'm in 10, 15 Slack groups, right? It takes effort to go through that. It takes like effort to go through a whole email list. So it's the same effort. It's just a different medium. It's more instant. And what's important, and I find that with, with most um, most companies, as, as long as there are rules around engagement and not, they don't expect instant replies, it works. But if you have people, and luckily I haven't encountered too many that expect instant replies, then it's, you know, it's not good. And I think it's it's a learning curve, right? If I say for, for, for me, for, for anyone using those methods. But again, coming back to what you said earlier, all these methods have increased since COVID because we, 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 we're seeking tools. I don't know how many companies I got approached for in the last two years that bring out similar solutions to Slack for the workplace, you know, whether I wanted to invest in them or not, because we, we, we're longing for the perfect solution. And I think it's difficult. You know, I don't think there is a there's a right or wrong way of working, unless mm. it's Microsoft. I personally really don't like Outlook. I have to say that. For the record, Microsoft, your Excel and PowerPoint is okay word I can live with. But sorry, whoever designed Outlook, it needs a complete revamp. I'm sorry. Oh, By the way, a- Apple is the same. Kiss them goodbye. Apple is the same, yeah. Apple's email, although Apple upgraded their email system, I haven't looked at it yet, so I give them the benefits of the doubt. But uh, benefit of the doubt. But I mean, uh, well, that that sort of I guess almost brings us back round to to something else you were saying about you know will our skills yeah. be in demand in X amount yeah. of years? I mean, I think there's strategic skills, well, creativity. I think, well, I mean, for me in marketing you know, a lot of, of what the uh, sort of digital marketing gurus talk about are still the same things that, um, you know, sort of the, the 1960s ad men that, um, sorry, another another TV reference, but, you know, mad men, basically like all, all these, um, you know, guys in New York, all the, the advertising techniques that they use in terms of sort of, you know, using emotion and, and storytelling to, for great marketing, that still applies today. But, you know, it's just that the, the platforms have changed. You know, it's gone from billboards and TV to banner ads and Facebook ads, etc. But, you know, the sort of the, the creativity and, you know, strategic planning behind using those platforms is will still be pretty much the same as it was for, you know, TV ads and billboards. Yeah. P- p- product, place, price, promotion. Kotler. Do you remember Kotler? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I learned at uni. But I, to be honest, I had the same discussion. And again, we're drifting a bit, but that's that's what these conversations are for. And a discussion this week with with um, someone, if I say I value right, otherwise uh, I, I I wouldn't wouldn't agree with him as well. But um, we we discuss blueprints, right? And you know, you you have all these sales gurus going out. Oh, I have this methodology, this methodology, and spin selling has been around for ages, right? Donkey's years. And I remember the first time I read spin selling and I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. This is common sense. And I appreciate it. It's not common sense for everyone. But I think the blueprints have been around. And 
you you're probably right and i don't know where i'm going with this but something like slack you know probably tries to reinvent email which is good right it's a new communication tool and i'm curious what we find in the future because what what i notice more and more i'm getting tired of typing and i don't think it's an age thing it's just you know spoken word is still quicker and as you know i i sent you whatsapp audio messages rather than typing them i don't mind it too much typing them if i'm on my computer but you know with my fingers maybe maybe my hands are too big on a phone why you know a longer story a, a minute conversation can cover so much more and usually less leaves less room for error and again slack slack offers that as well right even linkedin at least on the mobile apps mm. as well it's also a microsoft product at least not on the um on the web version linkedin allows you to uh, to leave audio messages our thing is for me i need to type because i well as you can probably tell i forget what i'm yeah. talking about midway through the sentence or forget what i'm responding to so i i need that time to think and type and uh, yeah, make sure that i'm i'm giving the right response see see my wife hates voice messages because when she is at work she can't listen to them and yeah. i'm a bit like that there's you know i see another friend some, someone i work very closely with we we leave each other voicemails like i don't know every 5 minutes you know short ones long ones you know sometimes it's just a good banter instead of calling or or anything else but having said that when i'm at a client and he bombards me with messages i'm like oh, i need to get my headphones out put them in you know listen to the message and then reply in text you know or he has to wait or i have to be more patient in 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 responding i don't know i don't know what the answer is but it it comes back to maybe not even are we still relevant in 10 years time but will the job we're doing still be relevant will the way we're working still be the way we're working now because and and I'm coming back to Matthew's argument and I maybe should have re-listened to the episode exactly and take notes but I think he said we we're all kind of going to be freelancers and and having part-time gigs in the future I I think he said that if not I'm making that up and I apologize yeah no he he <laughs> you know obviously just said about how bad my memory is but yeah I'm sure he did say something along yeah. those lines. If if not, I've read it somewhere. But essentially, I I, I you know I, I happily underwrite this. I, I think in the future, and 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 I'm talking ten years from now, we we will be working differently. You know whether that is with a meta headset, right, and in a virtual world, or we we working more locally, because I I think these these mega cities like London will will disappear, not not completely disappear, but the the concept of having a a workspace where everyone meets on a daily basis i think these days are over and again having said that i spoke to a friend of mine whose whose management team recently went like everyone has to go back to the office monday to friday and they went like oh if i'd known that i would have not signed a contract with that company that's not going to happen i don't think it's going to happen ever i mean i think that you know that is sort of almost a, a key differentiator now isn't it it's yeah. like if if you're choosing between two employers and one says you've got to be in the office and the other one's like well as yeah. long as you get the work done you know we don't care then you are going to well i i guess companies going to have to pay a premium to get people into the office yeah and do do you want to pay for space and the premium no mm. you don't and there's an article i read the other day i think it was in the ft what and it was about what do people do with their commuting time and if i say my heart sank a little bit quite frankly because there are lots of people 
that spends their, you know, instead of spending their communi- um, commuting time on a train, they spend it in the community as community time and building their local communities and doing volunteer, voluntary, you know, services and, 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 you know, I don't know what they do exactly. And, and I'm sitting here a little bit, and going, you know, every time I don't have to commute into London, I'm like, yes, another three hours of work I can get done. And, and why, why don't I think about spending that time and, you know, helping, helping the community? On the other hand, just, sorry, just to, to board on to that as well, from, from my own experience, I do love going into London. I do love going to London every now and then, spend an hour, hour and a half on the train, do some doodling, listen to some podcast, you know, clearing my mind a little bit, meeting people in real life, right? Whether that is in, in the club or whether that's in an office or in a, in a coffee place or in the pub. It's good to meet people. Mm. But I want to be in charge how often I do that and when I do that and when I think it makes sense to do it rather than someone else going, which again comes back to why we are probably freelancing, rather than someone else going like, oh, you have to be in the office. So it's this mix. And I, and I do believe that we, we will have more local hubs. So we, we might have, I don't know, as, as the listeners know, I'm, I'm, I'm living close to Brighton. You know, rather than me popping up to London, I might just pop down to, to Brighton into workspace. And, and, and Matthew was, was talking about that as well, right? There are more and more co-working space where freelancers meet and just, you know, have a chin whack, have a mm-hmm. coffee. I personally, to be honest, throughout COVID, I definitely prefer to work from home rather than meeting others. And nothing to do with catching COVID. But more and more, I, I see the benefits of, 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 of meeting others, you know, twice or three times a week, max. Yeah. And, and maybe just for half a day. And it's just nice. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that like sort of recently organising sort of meetings and it's like, oh, we could do a Zoom or I can meet you for a coffee. And it's almost like people jump at the like, oh, yeah, let's, let's meet for a coffee. Um, yeah. Because, it, you know, it is it does seem that lots of people are like, actually, yeah, you know, there's, well, it's always, it's a balance, isn't it? Like everything in life. And, oh, yeah. you know, it's sort of, yeah. I mean, I but personally sort of like to get my head, you know, there, there's times where I'm like, actually, well, and when I was in a co-working space, it was almost like I'm busy today. So it's probably best I don't go in. But then on days where you're, you know, you haven't got a great deal to do. It's like, well, yeah, your day goes a lot better if you're with other people and yeah, chatting yeah. about various things. But what you said earlier as well, right? I mean, you know, we used to go in when we were ill, right? Yeah. And and and, and I think the mindset has now shifted because of, of COVID and go like, oh, shit, you know, if I have a cold and cough, maybe I shouldn't go into the office. But I remember sitting in offices, coughing my lungs out, and, and someone sent me home, my manager, for that matter. And he says, well, I can go home. And I'm like, but I don't want to take a sick day. Taking a sick day was a stigma, at least for me. Mm. Maybe that's maybe my generation. You know, you you know, if, if you can function, you have to go to work, right? If you have a sniffle, you have to go to work. And, and these days, if I have a sniffle, and again, not because I'm I'm afraid of giving it to other people, because I, I'm catching enough from other people, I might as well give it back. <laughs> you know, you want to be calm, generous. Karma in effect. <laughs> yeah, but to be honest, what? Why? If I'm not, if I'm feeling a bit under the weather, but I still mentally okay, you know, I can get it. Maybe I'm getting five, six hours of work done, right? Maybe I take two or three naps a day, right? But I'm still better doing that from home, right? Or I remember a colleague, not naming him, you know, he had the runs at work. And I think between... Oh, Jim. 
Jim, yeah. <laughs> uh, between nine and, and, and one, you know, he was like literally constantly, every 10 minutes he was running to the toilet. And I'm like, go home. Yeah. And and, and if I say he didn't want to, because, you know, again, stigma. And and I'm like, we, we, we forced ourselves. And and the worst thing, and, and admitting, admitting that now publicly, when my wife used to be ill and, and we had young children, I still went to work because I felt like I had to have the duty or I, I you know, had to be duty some or however you, you say that, right, to, to go to work whilst I should have stayed at home, looked after my child because my wife couldn't look after the child properly because she was ill. But she didn't work so she could be ill. What a fucking fool I was. Mm. So I apologize publicly to my, to my wife here. But I also know I'm not the only one. I, I, you know, I, I can probably name you at least five or ten people that had similar experiences. And, and actually, I would, would love the listeners to reach out and say, you know, even if it's anonymously, say, yeah, I put my hand up. I, I was like that. And, and COVID changed that. If, 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 if COVID changed nothing else, our relationship of how we work and when we work has changed. And if it, if it hasn't for you, dear listener, I think you should start, if I say listening to yourself, you should start thinking about it. Because I, I think we, we, we need to be more considerate in terms of how we work. I think also, though, I just think there's so many different factors that, that we've got to be aware of now, you know, in terms of what, what is the environmental impact of, of commuting every day. And, you know, sort of, is it environmentally friendly for, you know, these big office buildings to be, you know, to have the power on? It's, I I don't think it will be 10 years. You know, I think COVID was a big driver of this. I mean, I I think there's, well, I think it's McKinsey, but, you know, one of the big sort of management consultancies, they've got figures of something like, you know, in, in basically, I think, five years worth of digital transformation occurred. Yeah over several months so you know businesses that were were looking at digitizing their processes over the next few years basically then had to do it in in weeks as i say if not months most likely mckinsey they've done i mean i love mckinsey so if you want to sponsor this podcast please please reach out no mckinsey's articles i think i just published one on linkedin at a time of recording obviously that was scheduled um i love i love a good mckinsey article on a friday afternoon you know when you sit down and have half an hour to to actually read it and digest it yeah, they've done a lot of that. And, and you're absolutely right. The digitalization, and, and maybe, yes, it's only another five years. And it's, of course, it's not for every worker, right? It's mainly the knowledge workers, right? Yeah, Blue yeah. Blue-collar workers, you know, my wife couldn't couldn't do her job from home. She's a nurse. N- nurses can't work from home. But what, what I find also, we, we're now going off on tangent as well, talking about nurses, but, you know, the train strikes the other day. Mm. You know, fuck the commute, right? I, I remember in 2013... I worked for a startup and uh, I think it was my last day with the startup. And I said, I can't come in. There's a rail strike. Oh, you, know, you and your trains, you know, you can never come in. I remember my boss saying that at the time. I hope he's listening as well. Um, and uh, <laughs> You and, and your like, trains, Volker. You yeah. and your trains. Exactly. And, but to be honest, I, I hate the trains. And you know why I hate the trains? Because I'm not in control of the trains. I don't know if the trains leave on time or not. And they've been striking all week. And you know what? I have no idea if they striked or striked all week, stroke all week, um, if they have been striking. But um, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is because I work from home all week, you know. And and if you know if Sazen decides to to strike, quite frankly, fuck him. I just work from home, right? And I know there there there's a couple of events I missed, but you know this this is just what it is. 
But I, I thought it was would be nice to to talk about this topic and, and the changing work and workplace because we have been touching on that topic a couple of times, our own experience. And I thought Matthew, you know, brought it home to me for me actually last week. And um, hopefully uh, we, we get uh, get someone else on the on the podcast who I interviewed before to this, you know, about this topic, because it is I think it's a future topic. And it, it will affect our generation more because well, yeah. the, the the generation, I don't actually remember which generation it is, but the digital natives, right? They, they you know, like our kids, when they go into work, mm. you know, like, like, like my son is now 13 when during lockdown, he was like, great, I worked half a day. I got all my work done and, and I had the afternoon off. He loved lockdown. He couldn't see his friends. He didn't like that. Um, but they're more, more, more used to that. But anyway, I shut up for this week. So thank you, listeners. David, final words go to you. I mean, yeah, I think, as you say, we won't be going back to the way we were working. And I think we've still got several years of of sort of muddling through and organisations will handle it in different ways. I mean, sort of pulling us back to, to well, I'm going to just quickly give a few more facts. I mean, like the apparently like the average age of self-employed people is 47 or 47 and a half. 47.5 years and you know i think that you know is that partly because if you get made redundant at this age is that when you sort of think well actually i'm going to try and do something on my own i mean there was an article in the ft just sort of talking about how it was like over you know a, a growth in oldpreneurs is how they phrase it but basically sort of people in their own in their 50s and you know a lot of that is if you get made redundant that age you get a quite a healthy payout you know obviously it's the sort of age where you're more likely to get an inheritance that you could then invest into your own business but it also sort of talks about how you know a lot of people at this age go go for the flexibility and that's you know unfortunately and I think it is a topic that I've had a few people asking us to cover you know that's the age where you're more likely to become a, a carer either for your spouse or you know for your parents so I think, yeah, we're definitely at quite a tipping point in, in you know, in the world of work. Yeah, fa- famous last words. And to be honest, let's let's finish it on a, on a high note. I know I, I said I would shut up, but, you know, it has a lot of opportunity that comes with a new way of working, you know, and it's also very exciting to be able to form that um, moving forward. So it's not all doom and gloom. I'm not that negative, although I come across like that sometimes. But anyway, here's to another episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Feel free to reach out to Volker or David via our website, www.manupdown.com or podcast at manupdown.com with any feedback or to let us know what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Hear you again soon.